Hey everyone, welcome to episode 18 of Food Culture Curious. On this week's episode, we have my friend and fellow registered dietitian, Shannon Curtis, who shares with us about her food culture, soul food, her thoughts on medical racism, and how she works to make nutrition care culturally inclusive for the African-American population. Enjoy! Hey everyone, welcome to Food Culture Curious. My name is Areli. I'm a registered dietitian on a mission to help healthcare professionals be more culturally inclusive with their nutrition recommendations. Today we have with us our friend Shannon Curtis, MSRDNLD. She's a registered dietitian, native from Galveston, and now living in Houston, Texas. She's currently a renal dietitian while also starting a private practice in diabetes and fitness. Shannon has formerly served in the Academy of Nutrition and Dietetics leadership at the local, state, and national levels. Welcome, Shannon. Hi. So thank you for being here. I know I've asked you since the beginning of this podcast that we needed to get together, and we finally were able to match our schedules. Yes, I'm super excited about (laughs) this. I'm so glad we're finally doing this. Yes, well, happy Black History Month. Yes, thank you. (laughs) It is Black History Month. I'm so excited. It's my favorite month of the year, honestly. Mm So Shannon and I just came from Houston, This Is It, which is a soul food cafe, and we tried some really delicious food, and today she's going to talk to us all about her food culture. So let's get into it. What food culture do you identify with? So if I have to be honest, I don't identify with any food culture per se, but if I did have to pick one, it definitely would be soul food. For sure. A lot of the staples that I had growing up that I saw my parents and my aunts and uncles cooking was soul food. So, yeah. That's awesome. Can you tell me just in general, what are some typical proteins, starches and produce? Yeah. So typically you'll see pork and chicken a lot, a lot of pork and something to know about soul food or at least black soul food is that it was created from slavery specifically from the scraps that were thrown out to enslave people and a lot of those scraps were from pork so you'll see every part of the pig being used pretty much in soul food so a lot of pork to count for the protein and the fats and then chicken of course you do have some beef plates as well some beef entrees as well For the starches, I mean, we could start with the mac and cheese, get into the rice and beans, the yams, the list can go on. I mean, the starches are are pretty plentiful. Now for the produce, you know, we have the cabbage, kind of like how we just ate, Mm -hmm. Um, green beans. I think most notable would be the collard greens or the mustard greens, whichever one is, you know, people's preference to fix. So those are pretty much the staples that you'll see and a lot of soul food plates and dishes. What are some typical spices? What type of oils are used when cooking these dishes? Yeah, so I know back in the day, like a lot of lard was used. I think over time that has evolved into just using more of your typical vegetable oil um, or canola oils, and lard isn't used as much. Like, personally, I have not fixed any of these plates with lard Mm -hmm. so that's not a skill set that I currently have but you know it's just as effective in using you know vegetable or canola oil when needed now when it comes to 
just fats in general, a lot of the fats that are being included in the plates come from the pork. So you'll see green beans or collard greens or any of the vegetables, even the cabbage being made with ham hocks or bacon or some type of fat from the pork. And that is used to flavor the dish. So yeah, you could say that, you know, there's no oil used at all because we're using a lot of those pork fats to flavor the food with. Awesome. What are some typical spices? Yeah, I know for me, I heavily rely on Cajun seasoning, Tony Chachery, which a lot of people are probably really familiar with. But salt, pepper, garlic powder, onion powder, those are some go-tos right there. Mm -hmm. Also, what my mom taught me a lot in the cooking is using a lot of onion and bell pepper Mm -hmm. uh, to season as well. Just the vegetable, like chopped up the way it is. So those are pretty much what you'll see. Typically, I'll go in my spice cabinet. If I see a couple other things, I might add a little dash of like chili powder or something, something not as conventional, you Mm -hmm. know, just to add a little bit of spice to it. But you really don't need more than the stuff that I named. Can you tell me a little bit about desserts, especially in your household? What did you grow up eating as desserts? Yeah, I would say for desserts, I really liked ice cream, honestly. (laughs) Ice cream and popsicles, for me personally, was a favorite. But when we start to look at, you know, soul food, especially black American soul food, you'll see a lot of like peach cobbler or even apple pie. Peach cobbler is probably the one that most people will think of first when they think of soul food when it comes to dessert. Personally, I love a good peach cobbler with some ice cream, especially warmed up. That's one of my favorites. I don't get to have it often, but when I see it around, I definitely snag it. Nice. I did notice in the restaurant we went to, there was a lot of cakes. Is that part of it as well? Yeah, pound cake, lemon cake, things like that. My great aunt, she was known for the sugar cookies that she would make. I'm not sure where she got the recipe from. And unfortunately, that family recipe got lost. My mom tried to recreate it. (laughs) She tried so many times to recreate it and just could not get it down. Yes, it's very important that we start learning those recipes early on. Because sometimes when someone's gone, that recipe's just lost forever. It's lost, let me tell you. Mm -hmm. And it is an awful thing. Talk to me a little bit about your holidays growing up. What were some typical foods that you remember with certain holidays? Yeah, so we celebrated just the average American holidays, you know, Christmas, Thanksgiving, Memorial Day, Labor Day, anything like that. Now, for those holidays, we would cook our traditional foods. I think one thing, and I don't know if you've watched that show what is it called it's on hulu it's called searching for soul food have you seen it yet no okay one thing that the producer or the author or the lady of that show that she mentioned is that soul food kind of represents family and gatherings and and getting together and so anytime that we had a holiday i mean it could be the simplest of holidays And my mom was asking me to help cook for the whole family. We would pack up styrofoam plates to go and take it to my aunt's house. So during those holidays, 
you know, some holidays we would do steak on the grill and then fix our sides like green beans, potato salad, yams, yam casserole, Mm -hmm. things like that. Other times, more notably for like Thanksgiving, you know, we'll do the turkey, we'll do the dressing, which is my favorite, honestly, the dressing with the cranberry sauce, green beans again, you know, made with a little bit of potatoes and some bacon in there. Sometimes some rice and beans. Yeah, really just depends kind of like what we're in the mood for. Mac and cheese is definitely a favorite and always has to be on the menu as well. But yeah, that's that's pretty much what you saw. Now, I will say now that Juneteenth recently has become is becoming more widely recognized mm-hmm. uh, as a holiday, especially like now they're giving us a day off and you know, jobs are are recognizing it, different institutions are recognizing it. I'm from Galveston, which is where the Emancipation Proclamation was read. Mm -hmm. And so I grew up with Juneteenth being like a really special holiday, which a lot of other people did not grow up with that just because of their proximity to Galveston. Right. You know, didn't live close to it, didn't know what it was. For all intents and purposes, it is a Texas holiday, Mm -hmm. more so than anything. But with that being said, if I had to pick any cultural holiday, you know, that I could identify with as a black American, it would be Juneteenth. And now that I'm older and I have, you know, all of my friends and we all very intentionally celebrate Juneteenth, Mm -hmm. we get together, we fix a huge meal and really we just fix anything. It doesn't even have to be soul food. We just fix whatever our heart is set on. If we want a particular food, we may get together and do a potluck, whatever we're feeling for that week or that day. But we make it an intent, you know, to get together, celebrate Juneteenth, celebrate, you know, the actual complete freedom of our people, not just what was given to us before. (laughs) One thing you did mention while we were eating, because I I picked the black eyed peas. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You did mention that comes into play around New Year's. Yes. Yes, so the rice and the black eyed peas and the cabbage, like I mentioned in there, is more typical of what you would see of a New Year's meal. Mm -hmm. Now, like even this past New Year's, me and my mom decided that we were going to go all out with a more traditional New Year's meal. Mm -hmm. So that was part of the menu of what I fixed. The black eyed peas, the rice, I didn't fix the cabbage, but I also did candied yams. I did some collard greens which included some ham hocks in there. We did hog maws and chitlins. And I'm trying to think, oh, we did pig's feet as well. Okay. And so as you can see, even in that meal, there was just a lot of pork yes. present in that meal. So yeah, my mom's real big on the, the black eyed peas for New Year's because it's supposed to bring good luck. And, mm-hmm. you know, she every year she gives me some dry black eyed peas. To and, carry around. Yeah, to carry around in, in your purse, in your backpack, or put some in your drawer. Or whatever is supposed to bring you good luck for the new year. But mm-hmm. yes, that is more typical of what you would see of a New Year's meal. That's awesome. Well, thank you so much for sharing about that. One thing I like to ask is, are there any foods in your culture that have a, a strong association to health? That people will say, oh, you have a headache, take this, eat this. Or, oh, you have a cold, you need to eat this. Is there anything like that? So, I would say more so beverages okay. rather than foods. 
So the first one coming to mind was a hot toddy. I'm not even going to lie. It was a hot toddy. So a hot toddy is like some whiskey paired with maybe hot tea, but definitely honey, lemon, and maybe a little bit of ginger. And it said, you know, that if you have a cold or something, or if you're sick or something, drink a hot toddy and you'll feel better. But I think even more recognizable than a hot toddy is ginger ale. Black people love ginger ale. I personally love, I grew up on ginger ale, not even knowing that it was a quote unquote black thing. Mm -hmm. Uh, You'll see memes and jokes online about how ginger ale can cure everything. (laughs) Literally, like it was really funny because, you know, when COVID was the hot thing happening Mm -hmm. back in 2020, there were all these memes about, you know, just, just drink some ginger ale and everything will be fine, you know, or here's some ginger ale. Ginger ale to black people almost is like, you remember like the coconut oil craze where Mm -hmm. everybody was slabbing coconut oil and everything. (laughs) That's how ginger ale is for us still to this day. Yeah. Interesting. I didn't know that. Yeah. Okay. Well, since we were talking about, you know, health, I would like to get a little bit more into how every population has its own challenges, right? Mm -hmm. What do you think are the biggest nutrition care challenges for your population? Definitely medical racism. And then, you know, with the struggles of BMI and I feel like especially African-Americans more naturally being at a higher BMI just because of our bone structure or genetics, fat phobia on top of medical racism. So all of that over the decades, over the centuries really has caused a a huge distrust in the medical field, in doctors, Mm -hmm. in dietitians, in whatever medical professional you can name it. I mean, even at the dialysis clinic, talking to some patients, I was talking to one patient and he, for example, he didn't want to start the phosphorus binders. Mm-hmm. He said, well, I think all medicine is a scam anyway and big pharmacy and things like that. And yeah. it's really diff to be a black clinician and see where you can help and really want to help. But Also, at the same time, having to earn people's trust Mm -hmm. back because you do have the best of intentions. But how do they know that looking at you, you know, for for face value, for lack of a better phrase? Mm -hmm. So I think that's probably one of the biggest challenges. But on the flip side of that, it really makes my day, you know, when a patient is coming in for an appointment or for instance, at my old job, when a patient would come in for an appointment mm-hmm. and they didn't know ahead of time that I was black. Right. Yeah. And then they would see me and they would light up. They said, Oh, a black dietitian. Okay. Like now I want to do this. Now I want to come mm-hmm. in here and talk to you, you know? So that's the beauty of it. And that's why representation matters. Yes. I know everybody has probably heard that phrase being said over and over and over again at this point, but I repeat it because it's true and it, you know, that phrase and that mantra plays itself out still to this day, even with the progress that we have made, Mm -hmm. we still have a long way to go. So I'd say that's one of the biggest challenges. And then also from a historical standpoint, which I'm sure we've talked about this before, but way back in the day, again, the enslaved people got the scraps as food. And so 
European colonists, they, they come to America or they're over here, they bring their foods and treat their foods as superior to mm -hmm. ours and of indigenous people and of Hispanic people, really anybody other than them, right? Mm -hmm. And so they look at black people's body shape and they say, oh, well, I don't want to be shaped like them. I don't want to look like, you know, those slaves over there. I don't want to look like those black women slaves. And so it must be the food that they eat. So then they just deem all of it as bad. Mm -hmm. They deem our body shape as bad. They deem our foods as bad. They demonize anything that may have to do anything with our health or weight or aesthetics or intelligence or perceived intelligence at the time, right? Mm -hmm. To do with how we eat and things like that. So it's been centuries and centuries of things that have happened to cause the distress. So that's why there's a task at hand and it's a hard task of meeting the patient where they are mm -hmm. and really trying to draw them out of that to show that like, hey, I am here to help. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You mentioned basically the way weight and health are perceived. Mm -hmm. Can you talk a little bit more about that as far as how the black community sees weight and health? Is there an association with that within the population? Yeah, I think nowadays you would find an unfortunate amount of food shaming even from our own people, mm -hmm. you know, saying like, oh, look at what we eat or look at what we've ate in the past and this is why our populations are more riddled with diabetes and hypertension and heart disease and things like that, which may or may not be true to an extent, but I mean, everything's on an individual level in terms mm -hmm. of how much you eat proportions, all the, the dietitian things that we talk about, right? Mm -hmm. But, you know, all of that is said without regards to genetics or generational trauma mm -hmm. or other things that may have come into play you know external factors that we have no control over that obviously played a role yeah all of the systemic factors exactly mm -hmm. exactly yeah sometimes there's those systemic issues that we have no control over that's going to affect our populations yeah definitely and I think a lot of people in our community have kind of taken that and ran with it and said, you know, oh, make sure you exercise or, oh, make sure you eat right. Like there, there's been almost an overcorrection and a hyperfixation on these things that are associated with wellness and health to an extent. And, and I kind of tell people sometimes, okay, you're acting like the colonizer, you know, unfortunately so. Like, yeah, it's important we take care of our health. It's important we exercise. It's important that we do these things. But not to the point where we're shaming each other. We're shaming you know, what our ancestors did to survive and we're mm -hmm. to the point where we just forget all of these cultural norms that we had that made us, us. And now it's almost putting a bad taste in people's mouths because it's like you're literally doing what the white people are doing to us just in a different way, you know, out of this guise of wanting to quote unquote help. Mm -hmm. uh, now in terms of like perception of weight and health in the black community you know historically it's always been seen as better aesthetically like if you're quote-unquote thick right at the same time with the kind of the new generation 
And that new thing that I just told you about with hyper fixating on like wellness and health. And I feel like there's kind of a half and half of so people like wanting to be quote unquote thick, but then also, you know, make sure you're fit and, you know, make sure we're not obese, you know, because Mm -hmm. like make sure and correct me if I'm wrong make sure you have a big butt but you have a small waist yeah exactly like, <laughs> it, like that whole thing like but if you make lose sure your you're boobs, thick but yeah. not too thick like if you lose your boobs that's bad yeah like, you're like you, you can't lose fat and it not affect your boobs that's just part of exactly, <laughs> the exactly. Body works. exactly. you know and, and then if, let's say somebody does start losing weight and they're like oh no you're you're too skinny wait wait a minute like what are you doing and it's like <laughs> Which one is it? You know, right. like you can't what, win. You can't win no no matter what you do. But I think when it comes to you know American society, you know, like white society, the way they perceive black people, they they see an obese black person, they automatically think lazy. If they see a black person whether they're obese or not, they're probably already thinking lazy. Cuz that's just what the perceptions are still unfortunately mm-hmm. to this day. But especially you know, if they're obese or if they are choosing to take the elevator versus the stairs, you know, just like little things like that. That other populations wouldn't get shamed for. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So it's unfortunate to still see it like that, which, you know, all of that does play into like some of the medical racism mm-hmm. because there unfortunately are doctors out there that you'll bring an issue or a problem to and they'll say, okay, well, you know you need to lose weight. Right. And then just leave it at that. Meanwhile, this whole time, they've had cancer. Yeah. Or this whole time, they've had some debilitating disease that was just festering underneath all of that. Mm -hmm. No pun intended. But, you know, like, it's just sad. Exactly. Yeah. Well, I know you work very hard to build that trust with your population. I know that by day... You're a renal dietitian, but on your own time, you're starting your private practice with diabetes and fitness. So how do you tailor your message to be able to build that trust with your patients? Yeah, so I think just showing up as my authentic self in how I feel about food personally, but then also keeping in mind a more realistic perception Mm-hmm. of food in general from a black lens really helps to build that trust. So recently, actually, that New Year's meal that I told you about that I fixed, I put that on my page. Mm-hmm. And I've I kind of highlighted, you know, you can still eat balanced meals. You can still take care of your health and have your cultural foods. In this case, it was soul food because it was a soul food meal. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think practicing what you preach to some extent, I don't know. I have a weird take on that too. But I think at least to that extent, you know, showing that I'm not only telling you it's okay, but I'm actually living and emulating this in real life that it's okay to eat these things. I'm not just saying it to make you feel better. No, this is my true nutrition and food philosophy. Like this is how I actually govern myself. This is how... I teach my kid how to eat, Mm -hmm. you know, this is how I encourage my friends, you know, when they're feeling a certain way about food or whatever. Yeah. It's not just something that I say on the clock to get your money. No, (laughs) this is how I actually feel. 
So when you have a patient that's coming to you and is concerned either about their blood sugars or weight loss, but they're worried they're going to have to give up their cultural foods, how do you help them with that? So I always talk about the importance of mindset, shifting our mindset around food, and that's actually the first step in my plan and framework, really working with anybody, whether it's in my private practice or at the dialysis clinic or like at my old job when I was working outpatient, that's how I function with them too. Like, let's shift our mindset around food instead of, you know, because most patients come up to us thinking food is good or bad. Yes. And the morality attached to it. Mm-hmm. And I'm saying, okay, well, what if we just treat all foods as neutral? Let's just put them all on an even playing field mm-hmm. and let's identify them for what they are. This is chicken. This is protein. This is ice cream. This is technically carbs. Yes, it's sugar, but it's technically carbs at the end of the day, right? Mm -hmm. This is an avocado. These are fats and carbs. Like, identifying for what they truly are scientifically Mm -hmm. and then taking that information to inform us of what benefit that's going to give us in our bodies. Okay, well, this chicken is protein. All right, this is for the nourishment of my muscles specifically. Or, you know, this bread, it's carbs. This is for the nourishment of my brain. This is supposed to give me energy and fuel. And when you add fitness on top of that, okay, well, if I want to work out, if I want to have this gym routine, Mm -hmm. I need fuel, right? I can't bottom out in the middle of a set of squats. That's not good. That, you know, may cause some injury. Well, what can we do to avoid that? Maybe leveraging the level of carbs that you eat, Mm -hmm. right? So really just getting in your mindset that this is what the food is and that's what it provides. Within that, I also add, okay, now what foods provide you with joy? What foods provide you with nostalgia? Like what foods do you think of that remind you of your childhood or remind you of a really good memory? Like Food is more than just providing you with nutrients. It's also providing you with emotional feedback. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, good feelings. Maybe, hopefully not bad feelings. You know, we have to assess those things, right? Right. So tackling the mindset first. I've found without fail that once the patient or client gets that Mm -hmm. and starts to get on the same page as me with the mindset... Oh, they, it's, it does a world of difference. Yeah. It's a whole new game. Yeah, it's a whole (laughs) new game. And then we can start looking at different balances of the different macronutrients in their meals. Like if they really want to explore that, they can do so without turmoil. Mm -hmm. You can't do that when there's all this turmoil in your mind. It's like, oh, well, if I eat that, that's bad, but it's carbs. So what is it about carbs that you're thinking that's inherently bad? Mm -hmm. Or like, oh, if I eat this I know everybody says eat the cookie and I'm tired of hearing the phrase, but oh, what if I eat this cookie? You know, oh, which sugar? And I tell, okay, well, let's, let's reduce sugar down to its most basic thing, which is glucose, Mm -hmm. you know, and and just take it from there. I love that. Trying to make food as neutral as possible. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And you know, with, without sending people into a snowball effect of like the science of it, it's, Mm -hmm. A hard balance because you don't want to overcorrect to the point where they're like, okay, well, oh my goodness, like these are the micro and macronutrients that they provide. Am I not getting enough of these or am I getting too much of these? Like you don't want to do it to that extent, but just really just 
bringing it down to a basic level of like, this is what it provides. This is the benefit. Mm -hmm. I have the mantra of adding, not taking away. Right. What can we add to our diet that'll make it more nourishing, make it more enjoyable, Mm -hmm. make it more convenient? Yeah. Let's not think about what we're taking away because then it just gets really complicated. I know you've seen it. Mm Mm-hmm. Yes. The complications. <laughs> and helping them understand that as long as there's a variety, in case they're worried about the micronutrients, right? As long yeah. as there's a variety, you're going to be fine. Yes. Yes. And that, you know, I do tackle with them as well. Like making sure there's a variety of foods and eating in moderation. And, you know, a lot of people claim like, well, I don't know how to eat in moderation. If I'm going to eat, you know, this thing, I'm going to eat all of it. And I do understand that to, to an extent. There's a lot of power in validation, mm-hmm. especially with statements like that. But as clinicians, you know, as providers, we have to know how to validate and then redirect. So, like, I'm validating you. Yes, you say that if I have a Reese's, then I'm going to eat all the Reese's that exist in this store. Okay, I get it. I love Reese's, too. But, you know, how can we redirect some of those cravings? I always tell people fed is best. If you work on a variety of foods that you like and not just relying on this one particular food to feed you for the whole day well then you won't have so much of a craving of this other thing that you're so worried about and you can still enjoy it without having all these other emotions attached to it mm-hmm. yeah that's beautiful yeah <laughs> awesome Shannon well you've shared quite a bit as far as how you work with your clients and your patients if somebody wanted to work with you how could they find you yeah so I think the easiest way to find me is on Instagram at diabetes.fitness.rd that is my handle and on there is my application page if they wanted to sign up for services so I do work with clients with diabetes pre-diabetes or even those that don't have diabetes that may have a family history and concern about prevention of diabetes Mm -hmm. I also work with just general nutrition clients as well you know if they're wanting to improve their relationship with food Or if they have other nutrition concerns, maybe they just want to learn more about nutrition and learn how to make a better meal schedule for themselves, things like that. I work with those clients as well. And then I do pair the fitness component, like I write fitness plans that can be paired with their nutrition coaching. Awesome. Thank you so much. Yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah, of course. Thank you so much for being on the show. Yeah, thank you. If you are interested in supporting this podcast, you can buy me a coffee at buymeacoffee.com forward slash foodculturecurious. Or as always, you can support by sharing, following, or rating this podcast. Every click from y'all means the world to me. And now for a quick disclaimer. Food Culture Curious is for educational and entertainment purposes only and does not take the place of medical advice from licensed healthcare professionals. If you need to seek medical advice, please speak to your healthcare provider. Thank you for listening.